0: All the episodes you will hear on this podcast are the audio versions of the video content on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel. If you would like to watch the video version of this episode, you can find a link in the show notes. If you are blessed by the resources produced through Great Light Studios and want to help support me in continuing to do all this, then you can find information about how to in the show notes of this episode. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. With all that said, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this episode.
1: The leader of SUJ, Ali Ali Man, he's been part of groups in the past. That's another thing most members don't know. This is not like the first time this group kind of has existed. It's a line of movement that has happened, and that's why majority of the lessons that we have are very similar to places like World Mission Society of God and other high control groups that have come before him, the Olive Tree Movement is what it's called, because he's been part of all of these groups. He would never verbally say it, but he's described as the Messiah, the savior of this era. The word savior is used to describe this man, right? but he will never mm-hmm. say he's Christ. So, um, I'm based in the DMV area, so Virginia, um, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. And, um, I, uh, joined SCJ when I was, uh, last year in college. So I was in SCJ for about five years and a half, five plus years. Um, and I mean, I, I was a believer growing up all of my life and I was, you know, I was raised in a Christian household, went off to college for about four years and you know, just like every other undergrad that's about to graduate, you're asking a lot of questions about what's next, what am I going to do? And we had a mini reunion with some high school friends and that's actually how I was introduced to the group, was a a friend of mine from high school who was like, oh, it sounds like you're looking for a community, like there's a community that I already know, they're really great and they teach the Bible so well. At this point, I think best friend of mine had already taken a couple of classes and, was already like introduced, I think had already known what the organization was too. So that's how I was introduced into SCJ. And, um, I started online just because I was a couple of hours away from their main location, which was in Virginia. And they're still pretty rampant in this area. Um, so yeah, I was, I was there for, for five years.
0: Okay. So what, I guess would be your reasoning for even wanting to talk about this or share about this publicly like why i guess do you feel like this is an important thing to do
1: yeah so there's a couple of reasons um you know when i left it's been about two years now since i've left and i did have the motivation to want to just tell as many people as possible right because you're just like just don't go there it's you don't know what what it is and Um, But I I needed to take time to kind of process what happened there and um, as a believer, what it means for me when like moving forward, right? Like how do I um, kind of reconcile what's happened to me with what I'm going to base my faith off of ongoing. And so Mm -hmm. um, within that period of time, I think some of the most helpful um, videos that I saw on this channel as well was people sharing their stories And I I think I finally was starting to feel like someone understands, right? Because there's this vacuum that you're in initially when you leave where you feel like, am I the only one? Like, this is just, it's such a strange situation when you leave an environment like that, um, especially as abruptly as I left. And so um, my motivation is that it can hopefully help somebody as well. There's people that are still in there and there are people that could join without knowing and if one person could see this and decide, okay, th- this is what it is and I know the truth of it and I, I will leave then, I think, you know, that's successful. I feel like it, Thinking yes. one person. And so, and then in addition to that, I think just grappling with truth and what that is moving forward. And I think I've had to kind of, um, you know, I, I've had to start from square one to be like, okay, what does it mean to be a believer? What does that look like mm. for me? And so um, hopefully that can serve as an encouragement for people too. And that's the motivation.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would love to dive into some of that here here um, in, a, in a bit. Um, and may, But maybe before we get to that, just to kind of set the stage a little bit, I, I suppose, uh, for, for both those who might not be super familiar with scj in the first place um can you kind of explain like like initially what was that initial draw to join you're in college you said obviously in in that time you're you're kind of asking questions but what was it about this group that that you know even having grown up in a christian um home what was it that they were saying what was the appeal what was the draw that that led you to uh to join
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's a really great question because um, it started, it's for most people that join groups like this, it starts off where they feel like they're in a vulnerable space in life, right? So it's, you're asking all of those questions and this group seems to have these people who are seemingly very friendly and seem to almost have this confidence in knowing that there is a bigger purpose out there, right? It's almost what you're seeking for. And there's almost this pull when you meet them where you're like, they're very friendly, but of course this is agenda driven, right? And so the love bombing, the initial phase of we're gonna be your friend, they provide community. And so if you're uprooting from a different place coming to a new area, you're looking for community, right? And so that was the biggest thing that I, I initially saw where their approach was very benign. It was very like, we just, love God and we love to study the Bible and I was like this is great like sign me up you know Mm -hmm. and leaving college like wide-eyed bushy-tailed you're just you're looking for community a place to belong and especially mine wasn't in a way where I was approached like on the street or like at a mall right it was through somebody I already was familiar with someone I already had been friends with for several years so that was a very easy way to kind of wheel me in and so um, the appeal for me was definitely it seemed that there was this dedication to wanting to study the Bible and growing up, you know, it, we did study the Bible and I, I grew up in church and I was taught this, but there was almost this sense of like, you are our responsibility. We will take care of you. You know, you are our community now, your family now, you know, that kind of sense of belonging yeah. that most people are looking for and especially believers. I think that was the biggest appeal for sure.
0: Okay. So it sounds like even beyond the confusion and manipulation that happens within like the doctrines themselves, because there's a lot of there's a lot of that they you know, these groups are very good at, you know, manipulating scripture, making these supposed connections that seem on the surface really convincing. But to anybody who has, you know, a a scholarly um, understanding of proper ways to approach you know biblical texts and interpreting it you know you understand that this is just wacky but you know when you're not familiar with some of those things it it, it is quite convincing but it sounds like to you it wasn't so much that but more the the relational dynamic of it that was appealing or or kind of sucked you in, if if that's maybe a, an okay way of, of saying Yeah. It.
1: And the thing about it is that once you're there for a couple of years, you start to understand that their approach to everyone is curated, right? So they understand for someone, the pool might be more of a knowledge-based thing. So in their initial meetings, they'll kind of put out a lot of these like baits, right, to kind of catch your attention. And if they meet someone like me, who's more relational based and I just love meeting people and I want to get to know people, then that's the approach that they're going to take. Mm -hmm. So it's very strategic. And so it all depends. And you know, that's the route they took because that's the kind of person they met. So
0: they kind of just morph into whatever they need to, to draw you in.
1: Absolutely. It's all very planned out. There's multiple people on chats, you know, it's, it's a very, very, planned process to get one person from the complete stranger that they just met to join the organization. So,
0: so can you kind of take us through your, like your actual experience in the group? Because obviously you're not there anymore, which I think would, would lead to the conclusion that there's probably issues that you eventually had with it. But what were your, I guess, what was your, your experience, both good and bad? Can you kind of like, just again, for those who might not even be familiar with this group, kind of give us an idea of what, what does that look like to be a member of Shin Chan-ji. Um and, 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 you know, again, both the, the, maybe the good elements, if you can look back and see any of those and, and yeah. the negative ones.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the good elements were definitely, you know, it's even to this day, the people that I, um, you know, had friendships with there. There's a sense of almost, you know, now what we would call there's a trauma bond in a way because everyone ex- is experiencing a very traumatic thing over there. Uh, but you don't really, you know, hindsight is 2020, so you don't really think about that until you've left. But there was definitely a closeness with everyone, right? And it's like at any point in time, you could text or call anyone and they're there. It's just, you know, kind of the responsibility, especially if you're a group leader and you've been given that responsibility for your cell group members. Um, But also just, I think the friendships that you develop in the process of figuring out what you're going through basically, because that seems to change from time to time, especially during COVID and after where doctrines were changing, there was a lot of confusion. But um, Mm -hmm. the negative side is definitely the cons outweigh the pros, let's just put it that way, right? And I think, mm-hmm. um, where do I even begin? I think initially, obviously once they you realize where you're at, they tell you what the organization name is and you've joined, that first year you're considered a newcomer. So it's a very like, everyone kind of treats you very delicately. Like don't, don't give her too much to do. Like, you know, don't push too hard, you know, cause we, they don't want to scare us away obviously, right? So the expectations are kind of like minimal at that stage. As the years went on though, there was definitely added on responsibility. And while they may not admit it, of course, if we even asked them today, they'd be like, we never tell people to quit their jobs in school. That's ridiculous. Why would we ask people to do that? In reality, I mean, you see those kind of behaviors rewarded in people that do take those extreme measures to, to show their dedication to the organization, right? And so mm. the the idea is is that this becomes your focal point of your life. Nothing else matters. The end justifies the means at all times. And so you're put in very stressful situations. Um in my time there, I went from a newcomer to a group member to then an assistant group member to then a group leader at one point. And the pressure kind of increases as the level goes up, right, and the dedication that's expected of you goes up. And so for me, it was things like, well, you know, I, I'm really close with my family and I have a very close relationship with them. But in the time frame that I was there, there was a lot of butting of heads because I was very distant from them. I didn't really care to talk about like, future plans career plans like none of that mattered i was in god's kingdom and that's that you know and the push to like sacrifice things even at a point where there's family members in danger and i wanted to go help them there was an accident and i would be told what's what's really a priority here right now is it god's work or is it going there don't you know that like god ultimately knows your dedication and he'll help you know your family members and it it was those kind of things where the you know, the bite model of them wanting to control almost every aspect of my life. Um, It got to the point where, you know, if you're traveling somewhere, there's a template that they texted me at one point and I'll never forget that. They texted me a template and I thought, okay, there's just some details on like where I'm going, what time my flight leaves, what time it winds there, how long I'll stay there to visit my family and come back. And I realized later on, this was like a permission slip that I think other places in Korea use um but in the dmv area they kind of had modified it a little bit just to not i guess scare some people but amongst the leaders it was expected that you communicate almost everything about your life essentially and so that control was like increased every year that i was there essentially and um time is aware you did not sleep um we would have these all-night trainings or it would start at like 10 p.m didn't end until like six in the morning so and in in between that time you know you're listening to all these lectures you're having to take notes to make sure that you're awake and alert and if they see that you're falling asleep they've made us like go outside and run laps right they're just like you need to stay awake get your mindset straight this isn't appropriate we come back do do it for a couple of hours and then they'll ask us to go evangelize at seven in the morning although you haven't slept the entire night and at that point, you're just exhausted. It's not even safe to drive anymore, right? And there's actually people that I know personally that have gone into car accidents, things like that, because they were pushed to that limit, which is extremely dangerous and it's not okay for in, in any sort of situation. But um, again, the end justifies the means, so it doesn't matter. Another mm-hmm. thing was honesty, right? The level of dishonesty. You know I mean, it's just mind blowing to me, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I. Think They don't tell you who they are initially. So, you know, they they have all these stories of like Abraham not being honest to his wife when he takes Isaac to do what God had asked him to do. So they do a lot of like description is prescription, you know, and vice versa. So for a lot of people who don't pay attention to that, like I didn't, you think, oh, yeah, that's right. There's several places in the scripture where people are not completely honest. But also David killed Goliath with a stone that does not mean you now go and do those things right Right. like but it's
0: david also slept with another man's wife and then (laughs) killed the husband like well i guess description is prescription so here here you go believers yeah that's a slippery slope
1: it is a very slippery slope and so those things were just adding on over time, and they like to say like when people leave, it's personal reasons, like they had conflict here, their faith just wasn't mm-hmm. strong enough. And the reality mm-hmm. is that's how they maintain the people there because informational control is real. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was not the truth for one; it wasn't the gospel truth. And for, the second thing is that it's a high control environment that is extremely unhealthy to be part of. So,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you feel like like you as a Person, um, your personality, what, what, who you were before, uh, and then kind of like, I feel like for many people, when they when they get into these groups, it's kind of like they get filtered through this thing and they're turned into somewhat of a shell of their former self. And so, would you would you say that was true about your uh, experience?
1: Absolutely. I think the pseudo personality is real, like that you develop in a high control group like this, because you're being trained to become something that they can use. Not a person that's well-rounded, self-sufficient, and able to survive on themse- by themselves out in the world, but more so like dependent, heavily dependent on this group. And you seek for validation in this group. So I was a person who loved like being around my family members and wanting to spend time with them. Like I was, I had friends who were just like, are you okay? Like it just, I was less and less excited about, honestly, life, right? Like everything just seemed to be pointless. If this group exists and we're all supposed to belong here, like what are the rest of us doing here? Your your perspective completely changes. You see people and you think, you're just on like on your path to hell, like in judgment and right. I need to save you and that is on me, right? And so, it's it's so difficult to really um, look at life the same way when I was there. And so it kind of sucks this life out of you. And that is something, honestly, post leaving that I kind of had to figure out, like, what does Ready like? Like, what do, what do I even like? Because I had completely forgotten it, honestly, by the time mm-hmm. I left. And the trainings and the rigorous kind of like mental pressure there is that you're in there in this incubator where it's like an echo chamber you hear it from everyone it's the same thing and you feel like you need to conform to this group otherwise you stick out and it's not a pretty situation for you you know and Mm -hmm. things have loosened up a bit over the years but when i especially when it was you know the early stages of the dc area group there was heavy like we would go to these retreats, they would call them retreats so that they could take us somewhere where it was like a campsite. And, and there was a point where the leader had started yelling at us already and didn't you know, realize that other facility staff members hadn't left the premises, right? And so he asked one of the leaders to go and check to make sure everyone was gone because he was about to like basically go off on everyone that was there. Um, and so these, these are the things that would happen. And so eventually I just, And you you start to develop mistrust because I realized, you know, your situation is discussed amongst the leaders. No one truly keeps your secret. That's not a thing because everything is reported as leaders you are mandated to, especially if it's something that may cause someone to leave this group, right? And I naturally am like, I'm very much like, until you prove me wrong, like you've got my trust. And I was hurt multiple times in that sense. And I just thought, wow, like, no, nothing really matters. It's about the agenda and the bigger purpose here. And so I mm. developed mistrust, didn't really want to open up about much after that, right? Even if things were going on in my personal life. So it just became a very stressful circumstance. And my there was no really the, the bright, ready, whatever is left of her it was just long gone when I was there, essentially, especially the latter couple of years where i had a lot more responsibility um mental health is big they don't really i mean they talk about it some but there are people there who develop mental health challenges because of the Mm -hmm. environment they're in and it's not surprising right it's it's a very stressful situation that fosters toxic kind of um relationships and so all those things yeah definitely
0: would you would you personally define i guess the behavior and the treatment that this you know the leadership toward the the members uh just sort of the overall structure of it would you would you personally define it as something along the lines of like spiritual abuse emotional abuse would you would you use the word from your own experience would you look at that and say yes i feel Comfortable looking at the way this group functions and operates and say that this is rightly defined as an abusive environment
1: Yes, because their parallel comparison is always Christ when he was on earth and how he went about things and how he did things and how he approached the disciples yada yada and they take things out of context in scripture all the time and so they they use that to obviously further their agenda, and in the process, whether that harms you or not, it's really considered like your own personal problem, and you need to just overcome that, right? And so, when you start to use scripture to get people to do things in a, in a manner that is extremely detrimental to them, that is abuse, you know. Yeah. And spiritually, religion is one of those things where people. Yeah, that's their safety net. That's where people find hope and purpose. And that that when that is being weaponized, especially for people who have not maybe understood it as much as they did before, and then this group has kind of yep. given them meaning to it. Absolutely. Spiritual abuse is one of the main like mechanisms there to, to mm-hmm. people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they take this this thing and that exists at least in in many of us the majority uh, of of people this thing inside us that wants to connect with with something with god with something higher with and find you know meaning and purpose and and, and understanding how to have you know a, a foundation for morality all this just this drive that exists in so many of us and they they take that mm-hmm. And they approach it not with a, you know, a loving, and they're looking at that person wanting to genuinely help and and point them in the right direction. And they're looking out for their interest. They 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 look at that and they basically see. I don't I don't know. It's like they see dollar signs or they see power, um, and, and and they want to grab onto the to that, and and they. Yeah, they just take advantage of it. They they completely take advantage of that that thing in people and use it for their own, you know, agenda, for, for their own gain. Yeah. And, and it it sounds so much like what you're you're describing is that throughout your experience, and it, and I think you already said it, but how long, like how many years total? About five
1: years, a little bit more About than five, actually. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So for that five year period, it sounds to me like what what you kind of realized is that in terms of the leadership or their existing in this group, an actual like a compassion for you or a genuine concern or or care for you as a person, uh, you know, the honesty and, and, you know, reliability that you could have on them, you just found that that wasn't really there, Um, which to me, again, just, just sort of goes to demonstrate what, what exists at the core of this group, which I think would be, you know, you could, you could look at what Jesus said to the Pharisees so often, and he'd call them, you know, your whitewashed tombs. You have this outward appearance. you have all these, you know, things that look appealing on the surface to some, but if you get down at the heart level of what's really going on inside, it's full of dead men's bones. Yeah. And, and so, um, would you I guess relate to to any yeah. of that
1: I think part of what you just said reminds me a lot of um how hard they keep, they try to keep this image that they have they have a lot of front groups right like heavenly world peace like what they call hwpl is one of them where they try and do these like well there's a lot of information out there especially on the reddit groups if you look and for people who may want to find documents and just things that you know you can't find when you're there, or you would never be told right. otherwise, um, they want to look good, right? So even in the DMV, they would do these like um, service type of things, and in the service, like the leader would tell us, like you know, we especially during COVID, because COVID nineteen was a really interesting time for them, because mm-hmm. uh, you know there was a huge spread in the Taegu church in Korea and you know, the headquarters. And so a really high percent of people's COVID like was related back to the church. And it was attributed to like how we give service because everyone has sat in close quarters, you know, yada yada. And you know, they were headlining on CNN and, and then not in a good way, right? and so. Before, if any negative things was said about them, it was like, CNN was the enemy, you know, CNN is, this is why you shouldn't look at things out there. Don't read it, was the thing. Do not read it. There was was instruction that was given to people about not looking or clicking on these articles, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was like, this is poison. And if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then what what happened to Eve? And what happened to the generations to come? This is the kind of stuff, right, that they were saying.
0: so they would use that terminology of yes. like looking online is eating from the tree of the knowledge of good. Absolutely, people. yeah. Because
1: okay. so- this is
0: this is exactly what the the World Mission Society Church of God. Mm-hmm. They it, that's the exact same thing. They tell yep. members do not go to the internet because if you do, basically it's going to kill you spiritually. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's it's interesting because. Um, it started, it was kind of, a, at that time for me, I was, um, this is when they had deemed COVID-19 as a great tribulation, as a fulfillment of one of the events that were happening in the revolution, right? And people obviously had questions because it wasn't making sense. They were like, isn't there supposed to be the 144,000, which is the ultimate goals. You want to be the sealed 144,000, And then there's a great multitude that come. And so, but the, the ultimate goal is the The sealed 144,000 is what people blood, sweat, and tears go into studying every night, trying to pass these exams, all, all, all sorts of things, right? And so um, the sacrifice that people make and there was a bit of a back and forth and it wasn't like clearly explained and, we're, and, and to this day and, I, and I'm pretty sure in the next coming years they won't release the names of the 144,000 because that's the carrot in front of the horse who's gonna mm-hmm. keep working that hard and sacrificing everything if they're told that's already been fulfilled and the rest of you guys are a great multitude. It's just not as appealing anymore. People are going to be lazy, not want to work and, you know, sacrifice everything anymore. And so um, that was their their biggest thing. But the the whitewashed tombs and, and just looking appealing on the outside was the ultimate goal. They would, mm-hmm. you know, try and invite these world leaders to these events. And these events that they hold in, in the BC area, they, they would invite people and they would say, um, there's all these press that, all this press that's coming and mind you, the the entire audience is the congregation members. So this is all like, at times you just feel kind of silly. You're like, is this all like a charade thing, but it's all for show. It's pictures they take to post online. It's pictures to say, look what we've done. Right. And you actually don't have any information, even like as while you're there as a church member, what happens to that? Ongoing, You've just kind of done your job and then they take that and then, you know, they may air it to the international churches and say, look what God is doing in the DMV. Right. And it's like, wow. And then they do the same thing. Like, there's, it's just it's this cycle of just like brainwashing and you just gaslit the entire time that you're there thinking something is happening when nothing is not, you know. And so, yeah, yeah
0: it's uh matthew twenty three really this entire chapter, which is Jesus pronouncing the the woes on the Pharisees. but it's just I think this this chapter, to me, I found it is such a concise and accurate summarization of, I think, groups like Shinchanji World mission Society Church of God. It's so, um, you know, captures the essence of yes, of what these groups are when you really, you know, look closely and analyze how they function, how they behave, what what's really at the forefront in terms of what their goals are, what really motivates them. And it's, you know, it's uh, verse 25, where he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You know, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate uh, and the outside also may be clean. So it's like that that obsessive focus, which really is narcissistic at its root of of caring so passionately about what people perceive you to be, mm-hmm. but not having any concern about what you actually are. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately it sounds like what what it comes down to for for Shinchanji.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it goes up to the there, you know, there are things that are already been told to, to the congregation members that stay within. The leaders range right and so you know regarding leaders and there's actually recently almost five or six there was like the tribe main tribe leaders and the tribe i say to give context is the 12 tribes that are you know in revelation and scripture that's they say there needs to be twelve thousand within each tribe that's how it fulfills in revelation and so the 12 tribes are spread out internationally um the the one in the dmv is john tribe is what they were um associated with and um you know there was a a handful of leaders that left from the headquarters and to this day i'm positive that the congregation members don't really know the reason why these people left like what what happened right and and the critical thinking aspect also kind of goes out the window while you're there because you're just kind of accepting information and so there 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 will be you know information that they know would Probably challenge a lot of the congregation members so they don't really disclose that information. The idea is like the strategy technically stops once you've joined the group, but really it doesn't. There's like the strategy yeah. kind of expands to kind of maintain you in there with controlling yes. the information that you see and hear, uh, your behaviors, etc. So it never truly goes away. There's always someone really with their eyes on you and um, making sure that there's filtered information. And so Um, They're also really great at labeling people when they leave, right? As a betrayer, as someone who's been possessed. Like, this would be considered persecution. I am persecuting them actively, Mm -hmm. is what they would say. Um, There is uh, a lady who left from there who had a rather high um, position in the organization before, and she's released her story after some time. Um, And I remember them just completely bashing this woman and when I was yeah. there I could tell you Jordan I thought this woman was probably possessed I just thought man like you know because I didn't have any information I didn't know mm-hmm. what her story was so I just thought what did, like why would she go and start her own like that never happened that's something that they made up they make they make things up all the time so it's not like yeah. shocking but um yeah and, and ultimately it's it's really to make sure that the, the way you look at people who leave, is a certain way to make yeah. sure we filter the information they say is a certain way you know
0: it, so. it's just it's all fear and shame like the entire motivation of everything they do is rooted in fear and shame it's like the you know you you hear that they they will demonize these people who leave and and you know that that ultimately it's just a tool it's a tactic to make the members who are still there to feel afraid it's like you're almost in a sense making sort of a public example of them and saying you know in almost an underhanded way like hey this person's an evil nasty demon and so if you're if you even think about joining her just know this is what you'll be as well and so it's just it's just to ingrain in you fear it's also motivated
1: for sure Yeah, the whole thing. And there was a time, I think, during a sermon where the leader was like, do we use fear tactics here? He goes, yeah, we do. And I thought, well, that's weird. And, like, I was like, anyone else catch that? That's bizarre. Like, you know, and I'm like, I guess, you know, there's a healthy fear of what you have, of the reverence you have towards God, right? Right. And then there is this understanding that, like, if you're – Your actions, obviously, because, you know, when we go into the doctrine stuff, your actions, faith, and everything else are kind of on the same level, right? And so you're like, you think you could mess your salvation up by the little things that you do, because it's almost like judgment. They've got that authority to do so. If you don't have that approval from them, then, so that kind of shatters your image of what you even thought God looked like before. So you just do live kind of in fear.
0: All the time. Yeah. I mean that really is the right there is kind of capturing the essence almost of like the the contrast of of what the gospel really is and what what a works based, you know, which is the New Testament is just constantly trying to, yes. you know, passionately, fervently, consistently explain this is not how it doesn't work this way, yes. the works-based way, and the the works-based, law-based, the different ways, you know, Apostle Paul will describe it is at its at its foundation is something that is rooted in fear and ultimately like a mistrust of god you're not trusting that god is a good father who loves you and and so you're motivated by this fear that oh i've got to make sure i'm doing it right i'm i'm getting all these things done because if i don't he he's he wants to get me for it like god is just waiting to to strike us like that's what he wants instead of no like the the whole point of the new testament is trying to explain this you know this this crazy sort of idea that god is actually like a like a the father of the prodigal son who yeah. even when the son basically spits in his face just wants him to come back and that's that's mm-hmm. kind of the the heart of god but this group would would kind of you know if if you would s- see that parable the prodigal son through the filter of scj well once the prodigal son leaves the father's house that father is going to get a band of soldiers and he's going to go out and he's going to murder him and give him what he deserves you know and that's so that's kind of the underlying difference i think where this group everything they teach you about what relationship with god looks like and how you are to relate to him it's rooted in fear and really all the pressure is put on you that you have to make sure you know, you're not a sinner, you're doing all the right things. And, and so it just comes down to just, I don't see any other way, but that you would just have to live in a constant cycle of fear and shame yeah. and fear and shame, just this never ending sort of exhausting right. uh, existence.
1: And that's exactly what you said. The workspace thing is it's, it's huge because they take the verse in Romans where it talks, you know, at this point, Paul is kind of like casting a wide net, telling the Jews and the Gentiles, listen, you know, and where it says like you you get you receive as what according to what you've done essentially, but they mm-hmm. took that verse out, and a lot of other um, actually like people who've you know shared sermons on this, and they point out the fact that this can be used as spiritual abuse. Like Mike Ringer is one of them teaching through Romans. He was like, mm-hmm. they do because what 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 Paul was trying to do there is say, so far you followed the law, and by your own doings you have failed to do something that's why like chapter three is like yeah righteousness is only through christ essentially like works does not equal like grace and grace does not equal works like he is very clear about that but we Mm -hmm. don't ever talk about that verse in SCJ. Mm we would never touch that verse but just that that part where they want to like kind of you know use it for their own i guess agenda is is used and to them context how they define things is the biggest thing, right? Context is anything from gener- genesis to revelation. So, I mean, anyone <laughs> could go with that and just create what they want yeah. to, which is what's happened because the leader himself, the leader of SCJ I Man, he, he's been part of groups in the past. That's another thing most women don't know. This is not like the first time this group kind of has existed. It's a line of, movement that has happened and that's why majority of the lessons that we have are very similar to places like world mission society of god and other high control groups that have come before him the olive tree movement is what it's called because he's been part of all of these groups he's never truly had like a traditional the christian you know what you would consider it's always been through these groups and so he's kind of seen what works and what doesn't work right so now he can say things like he would never verbally say it, but he's described as the Messiah, the Savior of this era. The word Savior is used to describe this man, right? But he'll never mm-hmm. say he's Christ. <laughs> so it's kind of like he uses definitions of like Christ is a title that's given to only Jesus, right? And if you define it, it's like the Anointed One, he'll <laughs> use de- definitions but never actually say he's yeah. Christ because that okay. would cause a problem, you know? Right. Yeah.
0: So it's just the. He's not going to explicitly say, I am Jesus, but then everything he's saying is basically, hey, you need to think about me, basically worship me as as Christ himself.
1: Right. Because they don't even believe in the deity of Christ to begin with. They they almost think he's just, he was a perfect man. He, he was a uh-huh. messenger. He came, revealed the word and taught it. But they don't, you know, the whole Trinity is not something I mean, they, they, okay. they don't believe in the deity of christ and so when you've knocked which is huge right that's like christology yeah. 101 like right. christ and who he is and so when you've taken that out of who christ is the deity of christ then you can equate him to anyone mm-hmm. and he says like you know they, to, to him it's it's is back in spirit is what they believe through Man he and he's the one who gives these messages directly to the people as he hears him from God, and he's seen how revelation fulfills and all sorts of things. And so um, it's, he's very strategic in how he says things and how he presents them, right? And, it, and how the leaders kind of cover that because th- there's some trigger things that he could say that could really cause people to question, right? So he would never, yeah, he'll never say things like um, I'm Christ. Even though mm-hmm. he will claim the definitions of what the word Christ, the title Christ means itself, that's where the critical thinking doesn't happen for a lot of people yeah. there. So,
0: so yeah. did you say he does use the term Messiah to describe himself? Is that used?
1: So okay. he I mean, does. Is that, say he is. That the is Savior.
0: Christ. There's, that is that's Christ. what <laughs> that means. So yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And the way they kind of go about it is they kind of like massage like what they're trying to get to during a sermon, right? And before yeah. he says it, I remember being extremely jarred at the word, like he's the savior in this era. And he was like, well, was Moses ascended he saved the people of Israel from, sa-? yes. So he would be considered a savior in that era. And I'm like, but none of these people are referenced as saviors in these eras. Like yeah. that's the thing, right? Like no, none of them are. No. No. so i'm like it wouldn't make sense if you think you're now the messenger in this era just like how moses came and you know noah to 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 then refer to yourself as a savior like that's doesn't really yeah. make sense but yeah that, yeah
0: that's that's obviously pro- problematic and I, I yeah i think you're right i can't think of any place where you know moses is referred to as as being the savior of israel yahweh is the savior of israel and you know Moses is his instrument to you know perform right Yahweh's salvation right. um and so it's just it's you know obviously these these cults are um they like the power and and they they are more concerned with the the power and the prestige and the the control they can have way more than they are about actually looking at biblical context and being honest and um, having integrity in the way that they handle scripture. They just, that's not, that's of little to no concern um, to them.
1: Yeah. In addition to that, just like every other major organization, the leader is supposed to be immortal. So though they're not pushing that as much, but everyone knows that's been there at least five years, even four years. No, this is a doctrine that is taught. And some branches apparently they don't say it as, but to us, I have it written down, people know like that have been there for several years that he's supposed to be mortal and that because that's one of the 12 blessings as him who overcomes in Revelation because that's who he's supposed to be receives is he doesn't have to experience a second death. And so people have asked questions Hmm. and when people are like, oh, but you know, um, he's like in his 90s, he's aging and they're like, "How, how dare you wish that on someone. And I'm like, well, he's claiming something pretty um, extreme. If you ask me, like, you know, of course, mm-hmm. no one would want to wish death on anyone. And that's not what we're no. doing. People have the right to but ask. But the dude's right?
0: going to die.
1: <laughs> exactly. And so I'm like, people are asking, hey, like he's aging, like everyone else, yeah. like, you know, and so my yeah. question was always like, does he ever sin or does he not? And the reason why I asked that question is because they told us as members that recreation is a process we have to go through to be married to the martyrs that are in Revelation. That's when the 144,000 are like sealed. You then also, just as the 144,000 would also essentially not die. Um, But I had always asked if he's, this is exactly how they explained him, Jesus' return through a spiritual marriage between him and Jesus' spirit is how they explained it. I was always like, how is a holy spirit like like you know how how could he be one with someone that would sin because obviously he must sin because he's aging just like the rest of us that's evidence of the fact that death is inevitable for for sinners right who are like mm-hmm. who've inherited that and that question was never really addressed yeah. um I was actually told to ask that kind of stuff like in private and not in group settings because of course yeah that would cause problems and and it's just it's so it's it's wild and so and he he's been asked publicly oh so what what are your leaders gonna do when you're no longer on you know alive and he's like if if God tells me to die then I'll die was his answer which as mm. you can see is yeah so I don't you know he was revered what a wise answer he gave like it's just it's just yeah so it's it's a very interesting space to be to be yeah. in to see all those things and happen um, but I hope. I hope that um, more and more people can can ask those questions and not be afraid to ask those questions because you should be allowed to ask questions and you should be allowed to challenge it. Should be there should be a safety to where you know you can exit and come back, right? If that's a truly mm-hmm. healthy environment where you know you're not being told you're a betrayer or some evil yeah. spirit has possessed you when you leave. Um, Cause that's not the cent- the centrality of the gospel either. And that's not exactly. what's there. So,
0: yeah. And all this, you know, this hiding, this fear tactics to, you know, explicitly tell you not to to research. I mean, the, all that just points to what a profound insecurity that must exist in this group to, to feel the need to, to, be so concerned with what members find out, and, and and if you're so concerned about people researching and just going and and doing an honest pursuit of what is true and, and looking at the information, if that scares you, well then there's a, an issue there. You know, if you're yeah. the truth, uh, the the truth just it, the truth by nature, by definition, has nothing to hide. You know, the right. truth truth is right. light. And so, so light, you know, you're not going to find darkness, hidden spots mm-hmm. of darkness inside light. And so right. if you're concerned that that might be the case, then you are not the truth and, yes. and you're, you're trying to hide something. Yeah.
1: And, it, and it is, and I think they, you know, recently they've, they've started they've started to say things like we're gonna, you know, they'll use the English defin- uh translation of Shinchanji, which is new heaven, new earth. And so, mm-hmm. Most people in the states wouldn't recognize that, like on a pamphlet, right? New Heaven, New Earth just seems like a um, no. New Heaven, New Earth, but that's the English translation of Shenzhenji, the title. And so, um, they they say they're you know open evangelizing here and there, but we know the truth of like how people end up in these groups. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the same across the board for most of them. I think. World Mission Society is the one that's kind of more like we're Mother God. And if you don't have any kind of context about Mother God, you're you're kind of lost and you're just listening to what they're... Because I've been approached by them multiple times, too. And so okay. um, whereas with um, Shintanji or what we would refer to it as, like, SCJ, um, doesn't really is not very forthcoming about who they are. And that's, that's the part where I would always say, like, Jesus was never like, just follow me for a couple of months, then I'll tell you who I am. Like, you know, he was never just like, just see what happens. I like, come along. You know, it was never like that. He was Yeah you, you know, and they would use things like, Oh he said like um my time hasn't come and it's been like thirty something years for SCJ. So I'm like, how long is it like before you actually say, you know, and they said The bread's
0: going stale here. Like
1: yes. <laughs> so they're like he's using wisdom to hide like and I'm like, but he was never telling the disciples to just follow along and then see later on what happens, which is what happens in SEJ where you join. And it's months later that you might even find out who they really are. So,
0: right. yeah. And, and, and they can, I mean, they are known shinchanji for like infiltrating uh, churches and, and concealing their identity. I, I'm sure in many cases just, you know, blatantly lying um and being deceptive and coercive and trying to get people to join and and there's you know there's a verse in i think it's first or second corinthians where paul talks about like we did not use underhanded ways when we brought the gospel but but he talks about how like by an open proclamation of the truth like we we were just wide open we weren't we weren't using uh manipulative tactics to try to like trick you into doing something we fully disclosed it and then let you make a decision based yeah. on what the information was right. and, and once again the fact that they have to sort of conceal it and then try this goes really back to their concern which is m- so much more for the outward appearance than the inward they want to just make sure it, you, they look good because they're not interested in in your well-being or the well-being yeah. of those who are trying to get in they're just interested in you know bolstering their own purposes and say so it doesn't doesn't matter if they have to lie a little bit because they're not concerned with with what is actually going on in their hearts uh, they're not concerned that they are they are dead men's bones on the inside and and whitewashed tombs on the outside that they don't they don't acknowledge that obviously but but um that's that's clearly the case
1: and i think mainstream church just like in general that's something to be really weary of especially in the dmv there are some bigger churches like mclean bible um and CCE. like there's so many of those where um they would prior to at least covid um they, yeah, they would go. They would go to these churches, sit next to people, talk to them like they're just visiting the church to get them to come. You know what I mean? To these um, events where they would host it, and it seems just like a normal church that's just hosting a worship night, but in reality, obviously, it's a, it's a recruitment um, event. Um, I think that's another thing that I once I left, I, I really. As, as many people I interacted with in church and, and pastors and leaders, I would just say, like, don't undermine this. Like, there is about 400 something of them in the DMV. And that's in about five years, right? That's a lot of people to have accumulated. And these people are belonging to churches, wanting to be um, discipled, wanting to be approached, spoken to. And like, when, when Jesus was warning us in scripture, he wasn't, it wasn't like this, It's going to happen eventually. It's happening right now where he talks about um, they'll say that I'm here and there and over there, but don't believe them. Like these are the organizations that are literally like Jesus is back, which is funny because they twist that in those organizations and say like in SDJ, they would teach that Um, these churches say that Jesus is here, but in real, but like they're, they're the ones that are actually saying he's back, (laughs) like he's returned. And mm-hmm. this is real, like it's really happening right now with mm-hmm. these organizations and they're amassing people, not because they have the truth, but be just because they may do certain things better than some other churches. And they always do this where they compare the, the best of themselves to the worst of certain churches, right? To paint this image that they've got the truth and that's why they're ultimately, right. you know. Um, but yeah, I Narcissism. think it's- Absolutely classic. And so, you know, it's something to be really wary about and um, to know, and to just look up for each other in general, when, with these kind of things. Um, there's people who have left since I left, um, some who I knew, some some who I helped, which was um, a really gratifying experience, just because, you know, yeah, ultimately it's, it's really sad and unfortunate um, that people are kind of in these groups, but, um, mm-hmm just creating awareness, letting people know churches need to be openly talking about this, like what yeah. to look out for, you know? Um, so yeah. So yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's like, a if we become aware, I mean, uh, COVID, well, there, there's an example. If you become aware that there's this new, you know, <laughs> infection yeah. disease that is beginning to spread, you know, you don't just say, oh, well, that's, that's interesting that that's happening to those people over there. Mm. It's like, well, no, this is, this is something that very likely will impact you. And so you need to know, okay, what are the signs? What are the symptoms? What's, what's the, you know, what can we do to, to prepare people who will very likely, there are going to be people in churches that will encounter these people. And it is, it is like an infection where if you don't, if you're not aware of what they are, if, if you don't have sort of some basic, you know, uh, information about these groups, you are going to be so much more likely to to catch the the disease, to sure. to be infected by it, and so, um, yeah, I just I think there's a I I so agree with what you're saying. There's an. Um, you know, churches need to have like their their booster shots. You yes. know, uh, mm-hmm. before before having this this thing, you know, before your church or your or people encounter it, they need to have this like preemptive sort of uh, uh, barriers put up so that you have some sense of, of being able to identify what this is because they are these these groups. They thrive on manipulation, it's easy to hear these things and be like, oh well, that's just some strange wacky cult, who would ever believe that? But it's like, mm-hmm. the, Reddy is a very intelligent person. This it, this isn't just for the night, this is something that they thrive on being very, very good at manipulation and taking information and making it seem convincing. Yeah. And anybody, anybody can can get swept up in this yeah. if they don't have some kind of preparation for it. And so, Absolutely. yeah, I, I don't know what that should look like, but I do totally agree that, that in some way, especially knowing that in, in the U.S. right now and probably other places, there is a, a you know, a focused effort by this group to infiltrate Christian churches, to yes. draw out members. And so mm-hmm. it's something that, yeah, um, pastors, I would hope would, would be thinking through what, what yes. could be done to make people aware, aware. Of, of that.
1: Yeah absolutely so I, I i definitely agree i think it's 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 needed it's necessary and i think the dangers of of someone joining a group like this just is it's it's not worth ign- ignoring honestly it's yeah i think when i left i remember being like like why why isn't this like like headlining in like churches and like mainstream churches like why aren't they talking about this like you know i just i think i yeah you realize after experiencing something like that that it's it's very dangerous and people, as we speak, are probably being recruited through Instagram and like because, you know, they'll follow what these fo- the churches follow and then they'll find and then they'll message you and you think, oh, this person just wants to be friends and and that's not mm-hmm. the case. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they'll use dating apps like Bumble yep. to they use the, the friends feature to kind of filter people. There was a whole chat at one point of people just posting pictures of the person they're talking to so that people don't overlap chatting with them. But the amount of information they retain from these people, it's, and then it's kind of just put on these chats so that they can become targets. It's, it's actually really scary, honestly. Yeah. I remember just thinking like, this is, this is terrifying to, you know, be like, oh, this person has depression. This person has anxiety. She's 26, this is her name. And do you know what I mean? And it's like very obvious here what's going on. And so um, I think it's important to really, you know, Get the word out there for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's it might seem like just this sort of fringe, far off, distant thing that we're talking about here, and, and maybe may, it is. Until you realize, oh my my daughter is yes. in this group, and now mm-hmm. she's not coming to visit anymore. Yes. Oh my 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 husband got caught up in this, and now there's a possibility we're going to be divorced. Yeah. And he's trying to manipulate my kids into this it's like this is it it, it might seem trivial until it's your family and i think yes. I've, I've seen enough um i've seen enough families just literally ripped apart by these groups mm-hmm. to know that um it, it can't i guess it can't be emphasized enough that this is something that that sh- there should be in some way some <laughs> some awareness of mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media accounts. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people.